Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is a terrific one, especially to start the new year. We're going to talk about moving from a corporate career to having your own business. And I am thrilled to have my friend Jennifer Whip talk about that transition. Uh, Jennifer is president of Cambridge One, and prior to that, she was Fannie Mae for over 25 years. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you, Pat? Good. So this is a great topic, and I think especially when people have had long corporate careers, moving to their own business is certainly a challenge. But before we go and talk about that, let's talk about you managed at Fannie Mae for a very long time. So how did you get into mortgage banking, and how did you get into managing? Well, thank you, Pat, for having me. You know, probably like most people in the mortgage business, I got here a little bit by accident. And I found once I got here, I was really quite delighted and obviously stayed for a very long time. But I was in uh, school and working part time in a bank branch. And every day, the lady that ran the local mortgage office for the bank came in with deposits. And I guess she thought I would be good with people because she offered me a job as a mortgage loan interviewer. And from there, I moved into secondary marketing, which was kind of what I really was going to school to learn how to do. I, I had um, a goal to go to Wall Street and I ended up staying in the mortgage industry just because it really satisfied everything that I was looking for. I did work in the primary market for a few years, and then I got a call from a recruiter at Fannie Mae, and boy, once there, I stayed, as you know. It was a great company to work for, and I loved my time, every minute of it, to be honest. I kind of got stuck in the mortgage industry, but I think what really excited me about the industry is that there isn't a day that goes by that I don't learn something new. And I think that makes for a really fulfilling career. Right. No, I, I can't agree more with you. So how did you get into managing? I had several managing roles within the primary market, but I thought really in tackling this issue, the the really big managing role that I first took on was at Fannie Mae. And I was uh, an account manager, an account executive, an account manager, and wanted to make the transition to management and ultimately did. But I, I had a couple false starts, to be honest. I applied for a few jobs. I didn't get them. And I think what I realized through that process was how important it was to distinguish between being a really good salesperson and being a manager. And the skill sets needed to do both are different. And I think the hiring managers recognize that. And so I ended up getting into managing because I really worked at it and uh, had to be able to demonstrate that I had the skills necessary for managing before I really got my first break. So Jennifer, when you're looking at managing, what do you think uh, people miss about it? And I can't agree with you more that it's much different than selling. And a lot of times salespeople don't really make good managers. Yeah, I completely agree, Pat. What I found, and I, you know, I've, I managed for over 20 years at Fannie Mae. What I learned from a very good mentor is that when you're a great salesperson, you're really depending on yourself and those around you 
for you to be successful. And as a manager, the manager achieves its goals through its people. And so it stops being about you or me. And it really becomes about demonstrating the ability to lead people and to achieve success through them. And so one of the key learnings for me was that, you know, the, the inclination of a good salesperson is to sort of jump in and do the job for your staff. And that's actually the, I think the worst thing you can do. I think the manager needs to stay in the background and really push their people forward and uh, let them succeed. And I think ultimately that'll create loyalty. Well, I think this is a good time to talk about our biggest mistakes that we made in in managing and, and what you've learned from it. And again, that's an interesting topic unto itself. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. So I think Specific to managing, I think the first, the biggest mistake I made was holding back in delegating. And I think over time and through the really good advice of a few key mentors, I learned the importance of making sure that I was pushing as much work as I could to my staff and not retaining things for me just because I like to do them. But I realized that I never would would uh, fully understand the the uh, quantity of work that my staff could do unless I really delegated essentially more than I thought they could take on. And most of the time what I found is people rose to the occasion and they really succeeded as a result. Um, so that was that was an early mistake and, and I learned over time to correct it. So when you look at managing and plus in your role, I mean, you've dealt with many, many lenders. What would be the suggestion that after this long career regarding what would make managing better from what you have seen? I'll, I will say that I think as I look across the mortgage lending environment, I think all of us um, handle a, a lot of mundane routine tasks. And I think it's really important as a manager to identify ways to get those mundane tasks off people's plates. You know, it's funny because it's it's a two-way street a little bit. I think sometimes people perceive that if you take work away from them, even though it's mundane and you know not exciting, that they somehow aren't needed. And nothing could be further from the truth. I think when we free up people to think strategically and spend time focusing on the personal side of this business, you know, it's always going to be a personal business, their careers become better. And yet it ends up being a push-pull a little bit to get people to adopt new technology or find more efficient ways to handle, you know, really what kind of clogs up our day. Yeah, well, that is a great topic to lead to. You've had your own business and you focus on agency approvals and helping lenders uh, obtain them in addition to policies and procedures. How did you decide to leave a corporate life? And then what are the challenges that you have run across? Yeah, it's um, thank you for that question. Uh, you know, as I reflect on that, I think it's been quite a journey. Four years ago, almost five now, when I decided to retire from Fannie Mae, I made the decision for a very personal reason. Because remember, I really loved my job. I had I had a dream job. I, I loved my team and all the work that I did. But I uh, spent most of my corporate career on an airplane. And I had a very close friend pass away 
quite young. She was a college friend of mine and it really hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, boy, if I don't hurry up and do something different, I'm going to miss out on a lot of things that are important to me, including my family. So I just made the decision. I, I, you know, I ran the numbers and said, gee, you know, I think I can do this and retired and initially didn't really expect to get right back into the work. But it was my clientele, my customers at Fannie Mae that really encouraged me to go out on my own and start my own business. And so it was always a dream of mine to be self-employed. And with really their encouragement, um, I went ahead and, you know, I had exactly a day off after I retired and launched right into it. And I love it. So how, Jennifer, did you select what you are doing and what has that translated into? Are you doing what you initially did or have you moved on to some other facet of it? So again, a really good question, Pat. Interestingly, as I thought about starting my own business, I thought about things that I would want to see you know, improved. For example, I have a personal interest in financial literacy. And I thought, gee, maybe I can help the schools with financial literacy programs and that type of thing. But interestingly, again, going back to the conversations that I had, really networking with lenders who expressed an interest in hiring me, what they wanted was assistance with their approvals. And I realized that there was a big need in the market for that. And so I thought, well, let me start with this. Boy, especially this year, it's been uh, a very, very busy time for everyone, but also for me. And um, so I think it was important. Generally, what I'll say is for me, my clients really helped me recognize where the value was in my experiences and really helped guide me in a lot of ways. So I think that's a, a, an important learning about the transition was relying on mentors my network of clients. And, and honestly, most of the business that I get today is through referral, either past clients or others that know that I do this, or even the GSEs. And in that case, you know, the network becomes even more important, obviously. Well, I think you raised really an important question. And that is that you let the market really drive what you focused on. And I think I can't emphasize that enough because a lot of times when I'm talking to people that are thinking about having their own business, and I've had one now for almost over 20 years, you really do need to start with, well, what does the customer want? Instead of like, well, here's what I think they should have. That's really not relevant. What's relevant is what does the customer feel there's a gap in and therefore where you can fill it. And it sounds like that was something that you did you know, right off the bat. So I have to give you a pat on the back for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at uh, how you've structured your business, what were the things that surprised you about having your own your own business and, and versus being in corporate life? I know in my own case, when I made the jump, I really missed having a secretary and admin <laughs> uh, because I didn't have them anymore. So what did you run across? Well, I'm chuckling because I have the same thought, which is I sort of do everything, accounting and distributing materials, all kinds of things. But I think I'll start there and say, first off, I think the, the number one thing that surprised me was 
how easy it was to make the transition. You know, initially, I think one thinks about all the, the obstacles and, you know, how many specific tasks there are to set up a business. But honestly, in hindsight, most of that was relatively easy to do. I think the most important thing was coming up with a value proposition and really planning for how I would find clients and use my network and how I would divide up my day. And I think ultimately that ends up being probably the most important thing that I do, which is, you know, every night before my next business day, I'm making sure that I have, I'm fully prepared for the next day and I have a plan for how I'm going to use my time. And I think the biggest learning of being self-employed is, and you know this, Pat, you can work 24 hours a day. Right. Uh, the work never ends. There's plenty to do. The key is really carving out time for all the things that are really important. So initially, when I first started my business, I set aside time on my calendar to do networking. Interestingly, that was you know, a half an hour on LinkedIn, checking out all the latest news. And then that would lead to maybe an hour to an hour and a half of time where I would just reach out to people uh, and connect for no other reason than just to see how they were doing and kind of what, what was happening. And honestly, I, I really learned a lot from that kind of open time with other people. And of course, that led to more opportunities naturally. And you know that. Yeah, that, that does remind me when I first started, I had a rule of I needed to speak to three different people a day. <laughs> so right. it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but it really can be a lot. And what I think is wonderful today is in the meantime, LinkedIn is now around things that really do organize how you reach out versus writing little notes to yourself, which was uh, still right. prevalent when I started. So, well, what do you think when you look at that you took from your corporate career to being self-employed, was it just a complete change? And I guess the other issue in corporate life, you can have access to training and, and other types of development. When you have your own business, you're really left to do that. How do you handle all of that? Uh, I think staying up on current events and following what's happening in the industry is probably one of the most important things a consultant like me can do because um, my clients expect me to know the latest that's happening regardless of whether it, you know, impacts our, you know, uh, specific engagement. And so this is probably the biggest challenge that I have is pinpointing the places where I can get the best information and then also having good contacts in the industry to educate me. So it becomes part of the networking process, but I will say that I rely pretty heavily on certain trade papers. I rely really heavily on the MBA for information from them. And just, you know, reading as much as I possibly can. You know, I, humorously, I used to love to read books. And I have, like anyone else probably, I have a stack of books uh, on my nightstand. And, you know, with all the reading that I do that I just described, it's really hard sure. to pick up a book at the end of the day as a result. But but that said, it to me, it's really critical. And so I subscribe to a number of blogs I do scan over various websites like LinkedIn 
for more general information, I subscribe to several newspapers that I read online, digital. And then when I, I don't fully understand a topic, it gives me a reason to reach out to somebody who I know would uh, know the details. Well, Jennifer, the time has flown by. And if you could share for our listeners today some takeaways that you think are crucial if they are thinking about uh, moving into the self-employment realm. I think I'll just share the most important thing for me was to make a a connection with consultants like you and many others to better understand the challenges that they saw. I think I think you would get a, a good cross section of ideas. My consultant network, we refer business to each other. We rely on each other for information. And I think, you know, in some cases I've reached out to other consultants and said, do you have a template for a contract that looks like this? And it's really amazing how um, valuable those networking opportunities can be. So to me, that's probably the first and foremost is build a network of other consultants and really leverage that to be successful. Well, I think that's a terrific advice. And I do think that one thing that I did see uh, when I had made the transition is that you do have to establish a different realm of people versus your corporate friends. I have my corporate friends and then I have my my self-employment friends. Is that the case with you? Oh, very much so. And I'll tell you that it's funny because when I talk to, you know, everyone knows in a corporate environment, you spend a lot of time in meetings. And that's good in some cases because you learn a lot from sitting in those meetings and listening to other people. But self-employed, you have to create those opportunities. So it's funny when I talk to corporate friends and how they learn, it's it's really quite different and how they spend their time too. So yeah, good point for sure. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom. It was terrific. And I want to thank our listeners for listening to our podcast today and spending some time with us. If you want more tips on managing in between the episodes, follow me on LinkedIn and sign up for my weekly sales blog at patsherlock.com. Talk to you next week. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Thank you, Pat.